0: Welcome to The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Harbor Bay Real Estate Advisors is not only reshaping the Cleveland skyline, but also the way we dine, all in a single building in the Ohio City neighborhood. On Wednesday, October 10th, Shaja opened in the intro Cleveland building, which is on West 25th Street, right across from the West Side Market. On that opening day, we were glad to be joined by Dan Whalen, the Vice President of Design and Development for Harbor Bay Real Estate Advisors, as well as the President of Harbor Bay Hospitality. We began our conversation with talking about how Dan decided to build on that particular spot, and not just any building, but one with 515,000 square feet and nearly 300 apartments, including 10 penthouse suites.
1: You know, this has been a a site I had my eyes on for a number of years. I have a little history with the site from a previous employer that I worked with when I was here going on 11 years ago. Um, And I'd moved to Chicago and, and couldn't get this corner out of my head. It was, by my measure, the best in town in terms of just what was happening around it obviously the anchor of the market right across the street proximity to downtown without being in downtown and so many things that were percolating in the background that um I just I just kept coming back to it and so about 3 or 4 years worth of, of time as like what I'll call a side hustle while I was in Chicago uh coming back to town for work or to see my family I just kept uh kind of poking and prodding the the owner to to do a deal with me and eventually he was he was confident. He was ready to sell. Right place, right time, I guess you could say. Uh, worked with the neighborhood group, Ohio City Incorporated, and um, you know eventually got the confidence in those guys to, to put a deal together and, and make things happen. So that's kind of the, the brief history of how it came to be.
0: Now, if I remember correctly, that was just like a little strip mall, right?
1: Yeah, it was about a 20,000 square foot strip center. Uh, had 11 tenants in it, and it was mostly surface parking. So wasn't the best use for a corner of this uh this high profile nature. And so, um, we were able to work with every single vendor and tenant in that strip center and determine if people wanted to stay in the neighborhood, we would, we would help them do so. And if they didn't, we could, uh, you know, either let their term wind down or, or, um, you know, do a buyout. And we ended up keeping, uh, five of the 11 tenants who wanted to stay nearby in filling uh, vacant storefronts down the street. So we're proud of that. And I think it, it goes a long way for put any extra effort to not uh, displace too many people and, and, uh, in light of new development
0: the intro building is obviously an ambitious project 300 apartments as we mentioned 10 pound house suites I would imagine this speaks to your commitment not only to this neighborhood but this notion of downtown living and living close to downtown we didn't really have that for a long time in Cleveland you know with this kind of building
1: yeah I mean I think just the the corner here and and just the urban living in general I don't think it's a trend I think it's sustainable I think it's actually the most a complete way to live if you think about how easy it is to, to to run daily errands to to get groceries to to jump on public transit to take a bike or a scooter or even a short walk to to the ball games or or to other types of stores for your daily needs all that stuff is within a five minute walk or five to ten minute bike ride if, if you really are so inclined and I think that's what makes uh, these types of projects so exciting is to see how quickly we've filled up and and how people are utilizing the community assets that were already here that made Ohio City and this corner, in particular, such a uh, an exciting one to build on. But also the community that we're seeing inside the building. Uh, it's it's rare that you see two, three hundred units of, of residents kind of become uh, friends or, or plan their own events or or do things with each other outside the building. But we're seeing that almost every day. You know, people in this in this uh, project are are really becoming close and they're doing things in in their free time and they're they're doing recreational activities together they're going to tribe games excuse me <laughs> guardians games um together and and doing things outside of just you know pressing the button in the elevator going up to their unit and, and hibernating so it's really cool to see and i think it justifies what we've been trying to do with uh, everything from the brands, the project the amenities and, and now the hospitality group
0: that's interesting to hear. I think often one of the drawbacks for people who don't want to live in a big a big building with a lot of apartments is you feel it's impersonal. So that's, that's great to hear that people are actually forming the same kind of neighborhood if you were on a street level with a bunch of houses. Yeah, it's great. At one point, Intro, was America's tallest mass timber building. Do you still hold that title?
1: You know, it was very brief, and I think it ended even before the project uh, was opened. But um, there's a building in, in Milwaukee that surpassed us, and by quite a bit. I think they're 25 stories tall. Uh, but we're really proud of what we've been able to do here. It was never the goal to be the tallest or the biggest or to, to really speak in superlatives. It was about doing something that mattered, that was of scale, and that would would put a lasting print on the map, footprint on the map, if you will. So we're we're really proud of that. It still is the largest by area and by timber volume in North America, which is really great. And you know, we want to do more of this and, and do projects of similar or larger scale. I think we're looking to do something right next door, actually, that could be quite, quite big. And um, yeah, so while we no longer hold that title of quote unquote tallest, uh, I think we're certainly uh, raising eyebrows and catching attention nationally for what we've been able to accomplish here.
0: For landscape listeners who aren't familiar with this material and this methodology, can you explain a bit about what mass timber is and how it works, some of the advantages of being able to use it for construction?
1: Yeah, essentially, uh, it's it's not stick frame like the the stuff that you'd see like that you build single family homes out of or or even some of these four story projects that you see going around the city. It's it's different. It's basically taking small pieces of wood, gluing them together to then create these large members, columns, beams, floor panels uh, that are structurally sound that are inherently fire resistant, which I know is kind of a wild thought when you're talking about wood and are are as strong and can perform as well or better than concrete and steel in dense vertical high rise construction. And so we started out on this path to really look at mass timber as a differentiator from an aesthetic perspective. When you walk into the spaces and you have all this beautiful exposed wood, it it feels bright, it feels comfortable, it feels healthy. Um, that was what really started us on the path. And then as we learned more about it and we studied and we applied ourselves and we traveled across the world to you know, the northern reaches of Canada, we went to Austria to see some of these facilities where this stuff is made, the um, story started to become even better about the sustainable aspects and how wood is truly the only renewable resource you can build out of, uh, as obviously concrete and steel are not renewable. And in fact, they they suck up an, an enormous amount of energy and, and release tons of emissions in terms of emissions, excuse me, uh, in terms of their creation, whereas wood pulls carbon out of the air and then it holds it for the rest of its life. So uh, sustainability, it's its fast, it's constructible in, in a way that's efficient, uh, it's safer, it, it's quieter. All these things um, really added up to the benefit and, and made it even more apparent as to why we should be pushing for this building material both here and in the future
0: we're always excited when cleveland has new entrepreneurs new businesses what kind of advice or what what do you think the city of cleveland needs to do to continue to attract the kind of people like you who want to do these kinds of things
1: you know i think they're already starting to get there with the new administration and and just cohesion between some of these uh general nonprofit or economic development entities that exist around the city and the county um but you know eliminating red tape making it easier to do business uh, digitizing more processes that's all already starting to help um being responsive right having people in city hall and and at the county level who who pick up the phone and who are willing to help you tackle problems and help you think because a lot of times what you'll find especially at city level is if it's more work they're just automatically going to kind of throw up their hands and say not interested I, I think this administration is not that way i'm really excited about the mayor and what he's doing and the people he's put into place and, and the way that he's thinking about elevating Cleveland uh, in such a way that, that puts it back on our national stage when it's, uh, when we talk about competing for companies, but just people and talent and, and drawing people, not just to the Great Lakes region, but to Cleveland specifically, all that is is compounding in nature and quickly and hopefully uh, pays dividends here over the next couple of years, but certainly uh, supporting innovation And obviously, with the building department and the city getting on board for us to do this type of structure, um, that went a long way because it took a lot of legwork and and elbow grease to get it done.
0: Dan Whalen joins us today. He's the vice president of design and development for Harbor Bay Real Estate Advisors. He's also the president of Harbor Bay Hospitality. We're talking about the intro building and some of the things that are inside the intro building. Dan, we'll dive a bit deeper into the restaurant Zsa Zsa in just a minute. But what are some of the other amenities that the building offers?
1: Yeah, well, for residents specifically, we've got a rooftop pool on the eighth floor. We have some various lounges and breakout rooms and, and uh, spaces that they can just use at their leisure. Uh, we have a large fitness center on the ninth floor that is every bit uh, of the quality and size that would allow you to not have to pay for a membership down the street somewhere. Um, those are the those are the ones that really have driven the leasing in the building and and excitement about the building. And then at the ground level, we've got almost an acre of green space that we decided to put uh, within the project. And that came uh, upon the decision of us burying the parking underground. I mean, we had this great urban corner and putting all the parking either at grade or above grade seemed like it would be a great waste of space. So while it was an expensive decision, it was the right one. And it allowed us to really open up the site to landscaping and and patios for the restaurants and um, just general walkability and comfortable places to hang out and sit as far as the hospitality is concerned. We've we've created our own coffee brand at a coffee roasters, which is at the corner of 25th and Lorraine here in the first floor. Uh, it's a large, sprawling, you know, 3,200 square foot cafe with lots of seats. We do a full breakfast and lunch menu there. Uh, Charlie Eisenstadt, who formerly ran Pour downtown, came aboard as our head roaster. And uh, I think that's taken our, our coffee quality um, to the top of the list here in Cleveland. Up top on the ninth floor, we run Trust Event Space and uh, that was really just filling a void for what we, th- we thought um, the near west side could, could handle in terms of high, high-level events, weddings, corporate events, galas, uh, all kinds of things for nonprofits. And we, we are fully booked uh, almost every single weekend heading into 2024 at this point. So there was certainly a backlog caused by COVID, but with that space, we are able to handle uh, seated banquet-style events of up to 325 people. We've held cocktailing uh, type of events for up to 700. We have an amazing terrace when the weather permits where you can get panoramic views of downtown and the lake and and everything on the west side. So that's been special. Uh, We opened Pioneer, which is our sports bar concept that's kind of built around this camping motif on the first floor here. Uh, It's a large restaurant, 200 plus seats, a big outdoor patio with an Airstream bar that's fully functional. Uh, We bought an old Airstream that was no longer mobile and we tore it apart and built it back up and now it's a fully functional bar and it's got 30 televisions and we have a really great crowds for for all sorts of uh, athletic events just last night for the guardians playoff game we had a really great tuesday crowd and uh, we obviously fill up for browns games and buckeyes games but uh and obviously the last one that we're going to talk about here is jaja and that's what i would i guess call our crown jewel it's certainly the one that has taken the most time and energy and effort and uh we're excited to cut the ribbon on it actually tonight at uh, 5 p.m. So, really exciting times.
0: It's good to hear that you're booked so solid all the way through up to 2020, that time period. You say 2024?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of the wedding season for those Fridays and Saturdays, our 2023 calendar is full, um, which is, we're extremely grateful for it. But, you know, it's, it's also kudos to our staff for being able to put out such amazing product. But the space is special, the views are incredible. And, uh, like I said, I think it was just a glaring void here, um, just on the near West side in Ohio city. And, uh, it's, it's a place that no matter who walks up there and and takes a peek at it for the first time, their jaws always hit the floor. So it's, it's really great.
0: Launching a hospitality business during the height of the pandemic. I know you can't control events, but that had to be a big challenge.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you'd call it the wisest decision we've ever made, (laughs) but I, I think, um, it, it was, again, it was an opportunity, right? When there was chaos and, and everybody seemed to be cooped up and really had nothing to do and nowhere to go for two years, uh, we we had space to fill, right? We had these great corners of this big building that was going to be constructed, whether whether COVID was happening or not. And it, it just kind of created the the setting for us to give it a go and try it ourselves. And uh, I came up in hospitality when I was you know younger, as did most people at some point who have worked in a restaurant or a bar. Um, My brother's a chef so that again helped us kind of piece the puzzle together a little uh, more seamlessly than we would have otherwise and then just found a really great crew of people who are now our leadership team who were either what i'll call free agents or or ready to make a career move due to covid and uh and then it all came down to focusing on design and creating amazing spaces right because it's very hard to execute great service and great food and great beverage every single day it's so you want to control the things you can control, which is the setting, the atmosphere, and the room. And I think we've done a good job of at least creating the physical spaces that are unlike any in town and that really draw people in. And then it's obviously up to us to execute day in and day out on the other side.
0: I can recall reading, I wasn't sure if it was on cleveland.com, where you talked about you see Jaja as a free-spirited, feminine version of what a steakhouse needs to be. What does that mean in terms of decor and menu?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's very eclectic, right? And I think when you think of what you know we'll call it our grandfather's version of a steakhouse is you you probably think white tablecloth you think very conservative in the approach and the atmosphere very polished and you know mahogany on the walls, things like that right like you get a, a pretty clear vision of what you think a, a traditional steakhouse would look and feel like and you know i think we wanted to push into a different realm and, and just kind of start our ideas around what would it look like for 21st century version and for uh, a concept that was built around around a feminine vibe and and really about drawing crowds of 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 women in um because i don't think that you know six to eight women are going to go to a steakhouse let's say for dinner by default i think they're going to look for lighter fare they're going to look for a room that's a little bit more comfortable and so we started with that um and then branched out from there so our menu is a hybrid it's it's got its staple list of, of steaks that range from eight ounce filet all the way up to a 44 ounce tomahawk ribeye that's meant to be shared for the table and then about two-thirds of the menu is is all shared dishes it's it's small plates it's vegetable forward there's a handful of great seafood options and then a couple of of meat forward options as well but it it was really around this idea of social dining of not committing to one entree of, of being able to take a few bites pass the plate to the person next to you and really get to try a sample of of this this mismatch of cultures that we're trying to put together which our menu is anchored kind of by these Argentinian and Mediterranean inspirations. and We sort of jam that together, and uh, I think it works, and it's going to be an exciting time. Last week, we we went through our soft opening dates and it was very smooth and very seamless. We got, we got great reviews, and so I think, granted, we've had the opportunity to practice now with the event space, with the coffee shop, and with Pioneer to the point where the fourth opening this year hopefully is the smoothest and uh, best of
0: them yet. Doug Trattner, who's the food writer for Cleveland Scene, has joined us on The Landscape, and we talked about the fact that it took Cleveland a minute to get used to this concept of shared plates. Now, it certainly worked for Jill Veda over at Salt, but it is Mm -hmm. kind of, I mean, it is the way you dine at home. It's just, you don't normally do it in a restaurant, but it seems like people are taking more and more to it.
1: Yeah, you know, like when you have a dinner party or you have guests over your house, everybody congregates around the kitchen island, and and you eat while you're preparing to eat whatever's next. And so you're dipping and dunking and and passing, you know, food around and, and breaking bread and and so that was really the way that I think more and more people are are used to to eating these days, and we wanted to to celebrate that and push that, and and we don't want to be like everything else, and I think that was another thing that really was the center focal point of what we wanted Josh out to be, and so yeah, you do have the opportunity to to share six, seven, eight dishes over the course of a meal here instead of having an appetizer and then an entree and then kind of you know going through things the normal way, but it's exciting for us. I think people generally are, are happy. I think if you go to other markets, this type of shared plates, dining has been there for a decade plus and you go to New York and Chicago and San Francisco and you see it everywhere. So Cleveland, you know, this is fine. It's a little slower to adapt to some of that stuff and we're happy to be the ones to help present it and, and make it more, uh, more
0: prevalent. You say the menu at Jaja has this Argentinian feel with a combination of Mediterranean dishes too. How do you then form the wine list to make it work with the dinner options?
1: Yeah. Well, we've taken an approach of, of again, keeping with that eclectic notion and um, not doing things in a very traditional sense. So you're not going to go down our list and see, you know, a slew of Napa cabs. You'll see one or two, but you're going to see some things that are are from regions you might not expect otherwise. Like, uh, the Basque region of Spain. We have a wine from Slovenia. We've got something from Uruguay. We have, a, we have a a wine on the list from the Finger Lakes region of New York. Like That's not something you're going to see on a five-star restaurant list, but guess what? We have precisely chosen these, and they all pair very well with things that we're putting out there, and some of these regions are becoming more and more known for their wines as climates change and tweak and adjust and those flavor profiles that we have coming through to some of these things are getting better and better Nora O'Malley is our wine director and COO she's put this list together it's about 70 bottles with a a slew of glass options as well and uh, we're we're pumped about it I mean I think our wine program as well as our cocktail program are things that we want to push heavily and we want people to be as excited about those as they are for the food and so when you come to Jaja, you're going to get an experience that's unlike anything else in Cleveland, and hopefully everybody leaves with uh, with that sense and is excited to come back.
0: Finally, you mentioned your brother is the head chef. Had did he have experience in cooking this kind of cuisine previously, or is this a new experience for him? I know he's a well-known yeah. chef, but this particular kind of thing.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I, I always like to push him as far as I can, as hard as I can. That's just the nature of being brothers, but. Um, he, he has worked in some of Cleveland's top kitchens and for some of their best chefs. He's, he's worked for Rocco Whalen, unrelated, but has worked for him at Fahrenheit. He was uh, at Canado and La for a while. So he's worked on Zach Brohl and uh, you know, it was kind of this right place, right time for us in, in terms of, you know, he's been in this business cooking for 16 or 17 years since he went to school for it. And uh, this was the right opportunity. So certainly he's, he's got uh, inspiration from some things he's done and, and he's applying techniques and some flavors that he's done in the past, but in new ways and, and in, in, his own way. So we're, we're excited about showing the world what that's about. And, uh, I think coming up in some of these Italian, you know, type atmospheres and a little bit of French at La and, you know, Fahrenheit has some Asian flavors on their menu. It's like, it's all helps build, uh, these, these new dishes that are hopefully unique and, I think he's ready for the challenge, and we're excited to open the doors up tonight. And I think we have 200 covers tonight, so it's by no means going to be a slow Wednesday. It's going to be very, very busy, and we got our work cut out for us, but we're, we're extremely excited to show people what we've been up to.
0: Well, Dan, Cleveland has an exciting and vibrant dining scene. It's nice to have a, yet another option, Zsa opening tonight. So thanks so much for telling us the story of not only Intro, but the new restaurant. Great pleasure having you join us today.
1: Oh, I appreciate it, Dan. Thanks a lot for the coverage and the conversation.
0: Dan Whalen is the Vice President of Design and Development for Harbor Bay Real Estate Advisors. He's also the President of Harbor Bay Hospitality. He joined us today for The Landscape. We're glad you can join us too, and we'll talk again soon.